Great music this morning, and Dave, thank you for that song. Boy, you just sang from your heart, and that touched us deeply. Thank you. Well, if you're glad to be in the house of the Lord today, just raise your hand and say amen. 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 It's good to see you here today, and uh, just good to see you worshiping the Lord. And uh, thank you so much for just, uh, just giving attention to Him this morning. You know, there's an interesting verse in the Bible that just really speaks to my heart. It's in John chapter 6, verse 29. And just to give you a little background about the story, Jesus, on this particular day, fed 5,000 men, as the Bible says, and there were women and children. So there were close to 10,000 people that Jesus Christ miraculously fed 10,000 people with five loaves of bread and just two little fish. And it was a miracle. Jesus sat on the hillside and he prayed over this little boy's lunch. And as this lunch passed through the hands of Jesus, the food just kept coming. And that is God. All things are possible with him. He took a little lunch and he fed 10,000 people. And the, the most amazing thing is that the Bible says that everyone was filled after they finished eating. It wasn't like they had this little tidbit of food. Everyone was filled. In fact, at the end, there were 12 baskets of food left over. It was miraculous. Jesus fed 10,000 people with five little loaves of bread and two little fish. Jesus did that. Well, the very next day, that same crowd that was fed five loaves of bread and two little fish, they woke up that next morning with physical hunger. And they thought to themselves, you know, that meal didn't cost us a dime. That was a marvelous thing to get that food. And you know what? We're going to go back for the second time and find this man called Jesus. And we want him to do it again because I sure enjoy, enjoyed that free lunch. I want Jesus to feed me again. And Jesus went to the other side of the lake where he had just provided a miracle the day before. The disciples went on ahead, and, and the, 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 the crowd came following after Jesus, and they couldn't figure out how they found out that Jesus didn't go with his disciples, and they were wondering, there's only one boat left. How did Jesus get to the other side? So the Bible says that there are many ships coming to that side of town, and they all jumped on the ship, and they heard that Jesus was on the other side, and they took off, and they said, hey, we need to get with Jesus again. We're hungry. And they got to the other side, and Jesus was there. And they asked him, say, hey, how would you get over here, by the way? There's only one boat missing. And Jesus says, you're seeking me. You're pursuing me. Now, this is thousands of people now coming after the Jesus saying, we're hungry. We need something else to eat. Feed us like you fed us yesterday. And Jesus says, you come pursuing after me, not because... Of me but because of something that you need and Jesus talked to them about the work 
And they said, well, teach us to do the works of God so that we can do what you do. And this is what Jesus told them in John 6, 29. This is the only work God wants from you. There's only one work that God wants from us even in the 21st century. And that is to believe in the one that he has sent. It's a good thing to seek after Jesus Christ. It's good. In our text, the story is about the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 and the response of the crowd on the very next day. And obviously, they were enamored with the power and the ability of Jesus to provide a meal for the thousands of people from that little boy's lunch. There's something about free food that attracts everyone. I remember one Christmas Eve, I went into the Acme store and... This is when we lived up in Bear, Delaware. And uh, they said for one hour, word got out that they were going to give away free turkeys and all bread was free. And I remember I went in to get something and I remember seeing the parking lot packed full of people. And I, 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 tried, I walked into the store and the lines were as long trying to get out of there. And I thought to myself, it was like a madhouse, people grabbing stuff. And I asked one of the managers that was working, I said, man, what happened? What, are, they, are they giving away all the groceries? He says, no, just free bread, free turkeys. I mean, there were people fighting over turkeys, fighting over one, one, I remember one particular, two ladies fighting over a loaf of bread and they ripped that thing right in half and the bread fell all, all, all over the floor. So I jumped down on the ground, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <clears throat> it was a madhouse <clears throat> and I thought to myself, there's nothing free here worth me getting crushed or killed over. I turned around and left. Boy, the frenzy of free food. And here we see a similar situation. The crowd had probably grew, and they were like, we want to see Jesus because he gives great fish sandwiches. And they came, and, and they come pursuing after Jesus Christ. And they're saying, God says, I, I've come that you might know the works. They said, show us the works of God. He says, the only one work I want you to do, and that is to believe in the one that the Father has sent. There are three great truths I want to share with you briefly this morning about this one great work. This morning, there's, there's one thing, just one great work I want you to embrace this morning. I, there's one thing I want you to embrace. And these, this one great work has three lessons in it. The, this one work has, has three great truths I want us to embrace. Number one, seek Christ for who he is, not for what he can do. John 6, 26, Jesus replied to this crowd, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. It's amazing to me how the crowd missed the whole point of the feeding of the 5,000. The people were so focused on getting a free meal that, and the ability that Jesus had to feed the thousands, they missed the fact that Jesus Christ was God performing a miracle. The miracle is five loaves of bread, two little fish fed over 10,000 people and filled them. The fact of the matter is that they were sitting in the presence of greatness. They were sitting in the presence of their creator, God. And they were so focused on getting something for themselves that they missed the greatest lesson of all. They did not connect the dots. 
You see, their motive for seeking Christ was all wrong. It was all about what's in it for me. It's all about what will make me feel good. What will satisfy and help me? How will this benefit me? You see, they sought Jesus for what he could do for them, not for who he is. They were excited about finding someone who had the amazing ability to multiply food for everyone, not so much about the real identity of Jesus Christ. And that's so true today. Many people pursue Christ because of their immediate need for help in a moment of crisis. They run to Christ because they are sinking financially. They run to Christ when their health goes south. They run to Christ when their marriage is in trouble. They, they run to Christ when they're facing conflict in their career. They run to Christ when their relationships turn upside down. And sadly, teaching this is rampant in our world today. It deceives people into thinking that the real need is real more money. In fact, when the real need is eternal life that Jesus Christ offers. So Jesus becomes Aladdin's genie. He becomes a cosmic bellhop to people, a good luck charm. Go to Jesus and you can get a quick fix. Go to Jesus and he'll fix your problem and he'll benefit you for the moment. It's amazing how people come running and seeking after Christ because they need salvation from a bad experience. They believe Jesus has the ability of doing amazing things, but they only see him as what he can do instead of seeing who he really is. And my friend, you can never receive eternal life and the forgiveness of God until you come to Jesus realizing he is the almighty one. He is the ancient of days. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the one who created you and has the power to forgive you of your sins and to receive you into heaven forever. Jesus. Who is he? He's not a trickster. He's not a God that can perform miracles only, but rather he is the Son of God. Their minds were on the temporal and material rather than on the eternal and spiritual. They wanted their stomachs filled, but they weren't seeking Jesus for eternal life. They had no sense of their sin or their need to be reconciled to a holy God. They sought Jesus only for what he could do for them materially. We are so consumed with our world of needs and crisis, we're blinded by the very lesson that God wants to teach us in the moment of crisis and our actual pursuit of him. And then the second big thought is, and that is embrace the spiritual instead of living for the physical. John 6, 27 says this, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy, and I love this, Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. What is Jesus saying to this crowd? You guys are seeking for food just to, to get you satisfied for a few moments, but that physical, that physical hit for just a few moments is going to come and it's going to go. It's an interesting thing as you read the book of Revelation, the Bible calls people on the face of the earth as earth dwellers. We're bound to the physical world. 
We live a very one-dimensional life. We, we, we only seem to be interested in the things that affect our five senses. We're earth dwellers. We're bound to the physical sense. But Jesus came to give us another dimension of life, and that is a relationship with God, that we can be part of the kingdom of God, that we can enjoy a rich relationship with our Creator. He doesn't want us to grope around in darkness, but rather He wants us to walk with Him hand in hand. He wants us to communicate with Him. He wants to infuse into us his mind, his heart, his energy, his soul. Jesus said to this crowd, spend your energy not on pursuing things that come and go, but spend your energy into a relationship with God. Now, it's interesting, I find as a pastor, many people are not interested in spiritual things. And the reason why is because it takes energy. It takes energy in this physical world in which we live. We pursue only the physical benefits of life, and they will leave us empty and unfulfilled. And the Bible is clear that our ultimate source of happiness and pleasure is found only in that spiritual walk with our God. David wrote in Psalms 116, verse 11, In your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In other words, when we walk with God on a personal basis, when we walk with God on a daily basis, and when we learn to, to spend our energy to connect to the Almighty, when we begin to shift our interests from things, realizing they offer no eternal value, when we begin to shift from things and begin to shift into a relationship with God, it is then that our life begins to change radically. How does that happen? Both are basic needs of men. We have needs of physical needs, but we have needs of spiritual needs. The spiritual need sustains the soul, the spirit of man. It gives peace, completeness, connection, fulfillment, joy, and true pleasure. We live in a world where people are losing their significance and meaning of life. People think more about suicide, ending their life, because it's meaningless. To them, they find no purpose or reason for their existence. It's, it's an emptiness in their life. And I say to you today that when you connect to your Creator and when you connect to a rich relationship with Jesus Christ, it is then that your life is going to make sense and have value and purpose and meaning. You see, these folks that came to Jesus the next day were so focused on having their physical needs met, they failed to see God behind the miracle. They failed to see God in the act of salvation. They failed to see that God was being gracious to show them who he was, uh, the God in providing the true bread from heaven. They wanted Jesus to meet the physical needs. John tells us to spend our energy to labor for spiritual life. What does that look like? Number one, we've got to start reading our Bibles like men digging for hidden treasure. Now, the devil will tell you, don't read the Bible, you can't understand it. The devil will come to you and say, yeah, you've tried it before and it didn't make sense and you got bored with it and you, 
and you listen to the lie of the devil, and if the devil can keep you from the Bible, he's going to keep you from your spiritual walk with God and keep you in a dark, depressed state. May I say to you today, you need your Bible. You need the Word of God. Secondly, you've got to spend your energy wrestling with God in prayer. And I'm the first to tell you that prayer is hard work. The devil's going to throw every obstacle he can against you. And, and when you start to pray, he's going to try to distract your mind. He's going to try to, to get you uh, go off track thinking about things that are totally irrelevant. He is going to do everything he can to interrupt that time alone with God. But you've got to spend your energy of developing the spiritual man within you. You have to connect to God. You have to get alone with God. And you don't need to worry about gibberish or some kind of spiritual jargon. You just got to talk to God just like you talk to your neighbor or you talk to your spouse. You got to open up your heart to God. You have to share with him the intimacies of your feelings. You got to share with him your frustrations. Talk to God. Communicate to him. He wants you to share your heart with him. He don't want you to try to pretend to be something that you're not. He knows you. He knows your frame. He knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs on your head. He knows a thought before it even comes to your mind. He knows everything about you. But he desires for you to come near to him because he wants to draw near to you. And as you draw near to him in prayer and you begin to develop a walk with God, share your frustration, share your, your areas of the weakness of faith, share about him the things of temptation, share with him about things that are bothering you, that, that's eating your lunch. Talk to him and let him communicate to you. Let him speak to you. Wrestle. In prayer, like men contending with a deadly enemy for life, we must take our whole heart to the house of God. Sunday is the Lord's day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice in what? Be glad. We come to church because God speaks to us. It's a mystery to me. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God. It, it's a mystery how you have hundreds of people and you have one man standing up speaking and how God breaks his word down and ministers to the hearts of everyone. And we all are on different walks of life. We're all on different levels of spiritual uh, walks with God. But God has a way of, of supernaturally speaking to us under the preaching of the word of God. That's his plan. That's his purpose. And God said, don't forsake that. Spend your energy of getting yourself under the spiritual influence of God. Spend your energy. We must take our whole heart to the house of God. We need to worship like we've never worshipped. We need to adore him and magnify him like we did this morning as the praise team led us and influenced us to worship. We need to hear like those who listen to the reading of a benefactor's will. We must fight daily against sin, the world, the devil, like those who fight for liberty and must conquer or be slaves to it. Spend your energy, Jesus said. For the spiritual. It's interesting. We tend to the physical very well. But if we're going to grow in grace and if we're going to be the childlike faith that God wants us to have and experience, and if we want the victory that God wants, 
then we have got to develop the spiritual man. And then number three, we need to have faith to know that Christ is our only source of life. Let me ask you something. Is there any other source in life that you have found in your life's journey that is more important than your life with Christ? He is your joy. He is your confidence. He is your friend that loveth at all times. He's up with you at 2 in the morning. He's up with you at 4 in the morning. He walks with you. He provides for you in the 11th hour. He is that sufficient blessed one that strengthens you, that helps you get through. You couldn't have got through the troubles you've gone through had it not been for the grace of God to build a bridge for you to walk over. Give the Lord a hand of praise. You don't have this gloom over you. You don't have this darkness over you. You know in whom you have believed. You know that you have a Savior. You don't fear death. Even though you've never walked through the valley of the shadow of death yet, you know that when you close your eyes in this world, you will open your eyes to the blessed face of Jesus, and He will comfort you. He will walk with you, and you'll walk into the kingdom of God because of what Jesus did for you on the cross 2,000 years ago. He loves you. Have faith to know that Christ is the only source of life. Jesus looked at this big crowd. And this is what he says in John 6, 41 and 42. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, hey, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and his mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? They said, wait, he's just a man. Why is he saying he is the bread of life that came from heaven? Jesus teaches about one of the most controversial, misunderstood lessons in the Bible, that man must feed off the truth of the substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross. The Jewish crowd was satisfied with their own personal religious works and their own little rituals that they had relied on for years from Moses. So they had no hunger for spiritual bread that Jesus offered. Before you are hungry to eat of the spiritual bread, God has to open your eyes to your true condition. Without Christ, you are spiritually starving and spiritually dead. In Christ's day, bread was the main staple in their diet. You could not live without bread. In the same way, you cannot connect to eternity and the true God without Jesus Christ. He is the bread. He is the sustaining strength for spiritual life. Jesus Christ and the work on the cross is the connection between a sinful man and a holy God. Without Jesus Christ, there is no hope for eternity or any relationship with God. The Father sent Jesus into this world to bear the sins of all who believe in him. And without him, you're under God's righteous judgment and you're totally disconnected from him. The greatest person who's in the greatest trouble this morning is the person who refused to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It is the person who says, I don't need Jesus. I'll find my own way. Let me share something with you. You are in great danger because there is no other door into the kingdom of God except through Jesus Christ. But you say, but there are many religions in the world and all religions lead to God. That's what the devil says and that's what the world says. But that's not what God Almighty says. 
There's only one way a man can enter into heaven. That's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He is your only hope. All the other gods are still interred in their graves, but go to Jerusalem, and there's a sign that says, for he is not here, for he has risen. 500 witnesses have said so in the Scriptures. Coming to Jesus and believing in Jesus are parallel here. This explains what Jesus means in six, John 6, 53, when he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And we're like, what? It sounds like cannibalism. But that's not what Jesus meant. It means to consume the work and the sufferings and the death of Christ on the cross, trusting him to apply the work of connection, forgiveness, and acceptance for your soul. Jesus says that the result of him coming is not that we will not hunger, and the result in believing in him is that we'll never thirst, and he satisfies the emptiness of the heart. I, I marvel, I read testimonies of celebrities rich people, famous people. And they talk about getting to the very top. And when they get to the top, they strive all their life to have all the money they could possibly have, all the fame they could have, all the popular. They get to the top and they, they look around. And they say, vanity. All is vanity. There's nothing here. It's all a deceptive game. And we read how they commit suicide because the very things that they pursued throughout their lifetime, they found it to be nothing but chasing a bubble that burst in their hands. And they are so disappointed. Life has nothing to offer. Not to the child of God. Because when you pursue Christ, he instills into you his joy. He instills into you his peace. He instills into you spiritual values and spiritual principles. And he's preparing you because you're going to a place of awesome greatness. You're going to the kingdom of God. You're going to rule and reign with Christ as priest and with kings. And you're going to live with him throughout eternity. And you're going to be joined with your loved ones who have also trusted Christ. And we will be connected with the family of God and with Christ himself. And we as the church of Jesus will be joint heirs with Christ. We are his brethren and we will serve in the universe and in the worlds to come with him, alone with him forever throughout all eternity. My friend, our great time is yet. Hey, give the Lord a hand. Amen. Greatness, greatness is around the corner for the child of God. Jesus says he satisfies the emptiness of our heart. Jesus becomes our lawyer and our advocate. My sins were nailed with the cross. He has forgiven me. The devil tries to accuse me of past former sins, but I'm here to say the blood of Jesus washed my sins away. He is my lawyer. He's my advocate. He is my bread of life. He is my chief cornerstone. He is my good shepherd. He is my indescribable gift. He is my soon coming king. He is my mediator. He is my mighty one. He is my peace 
my risen Lord, my door to eternal life. He is my way, my truth, my life. He is my perfecter of my faith. He is my beloved bridegroom. He is my deliverer. He is my great high priest. He's my judge. He's my light in the darkness. He is my coming Messiah. He is my hope. He is my redeemer. He is my rock. He is my victorious one. You see, this new relationship with Christ moves us to continue to feed off his holy nature that builds us up in our newfound faith. God blesses those who pursue him. What is our greatest work? Jesus looked at the crowd and they said, you know what your greatest work is? Just one thing. Believe on me who has sent me. What is the lesson that Jesus is sharing with us this morning in church? Listen, listen carefully. It's not what you get out of Jesus. It's not what you benefit from him. It's when you come to realize that you only have one Savior, one Lord, who has already performed the act of sacrifice to pay for your sins, to redeem you and bring you into heaven so that he might infuse into you his life, his mind, his heart, his strength to get you through the storms, to give you hope in the times of futility, to lift you up and strengthen you, to cause you to be victorious in this life. What is Jesus to you? I pray he's not a cosmic bellhop. He's your friend that loveth at all times. He's your savior. He's your beloved brother. He's a God that can help you. What is the greatest work? Believe. Run to him. Embrace him. Open your heart to him. Welcome him into your life. And allow God to do his greatest work in you. I got to tell you this. You need him this morning. Some of you are walking alone through some dark stuff. You're just walking alone. You know what you need to do? You need to run to him. Let God lift you. Start telling God about your request. Tell God what you need. He'll give it according to his time and his way, but I promise you this. He will give you the sufficient grace to get through what you got to get through. And at the same time, he will put hope, a spring in your step, faith to know that he can do all things for you. Let me share something with you. He loves you more than you can ever imagine. He created you. He's not angry. He doesn't have a nail in his baseball bat ready to hit you. He loves you. He's extending his arms to you. He's inviting you to come. All you are heavy laden. All you that are bearing the burden of the guilt of your sin, come. He says, my yoke is easy. I'll lighten your load. I'll walk with you. I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll give you peace to replace your anxiety. He loves you. The people said, we want works to do. Jesus said, only one work. 
believe in me. Believe in me. Let me ask you something. Do you believe in him enough to run to him and to spend some energy developing your spiritual life so that you can rise above the mud puddles of this world and to be victorious in Christ? We can make it only because we have a Savior and his name is Jesus. Let's pray. With heads bowed and eyes are closed, if you